everybody, and uh, to our friends online. Sorry for being a minute late here. It's great to have you here with us and and uh, being a part of our church service wherever you are. Maybe you're in your car or you're at home or you're visiting family. Uh, how grateful we are that you are here uh, to spend uh, an hour or so with us to worship and to learn uh, and to pray together and to receive communion together. So if you haven't already done so uh, at home, make sure to grab your communion elements uh, as we'll be receiving uh, communion together as Pastor Claire leads us with that. Uh, and so how grateful we are to see you, whether you're uh, Facebook, CCM Online, or listen to the podcast later this week. We say hello, good morning, and uh, a wonderful start to this new week. All right, so it's time for our call to worship. And go ahead and read with me, or if you want to sit and let the words wash over you, that's fine too. But we're going to be reading out of Psalms 139.1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Amen. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. You him, oh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Amen. God, you know each of our hearts as we light candles, as we sing songs, as we gather together on the first day of the week. And we ask that the prayers that we pray today, that we would sense the reality of asking, seeking, and knocking. That there is a promise here that the kingdom of heaven is ours. Go on. Can you hear me out there? Mm, good morning. That was a little rough. Can you guys hear me out there? How's everybody feeling? That's good. <laughs> All right, we're going to pray this together. Well, I'll start, then you'll pray with me. Uh, as we pray this morning, let's receive these powerful words from Paul's letter to the Philippian church. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Creator of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen, we pray that you would bring forgiveness and reconciliation among your children. Where there is war, arguments, and hatred, let peace, forgiveness, and love replace them. Protect all who are in these circumstances on the earth. And in every situation, may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm, this is a good one. Lead, as we prepare to vote, we ask that you guide each person to vote their conscience, led by your Holy Spirit, and that the people of our nation would be guided by goodwill towards all people. And in every situation, may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We ask for eyes that are free from blindness, so that we might see each other as brothers and sisters, one and equal in dignity. So we may live with the epic of heaven on earth. We ask for ears that we hear the of the suffering as you do. And in every situation, may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We pray that you will heal the sick and protect us from illness and disease. And I especially pray for today and just lift up whoever you're thinking about this morning, church. 
and in every situation, may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So friends, let's take a moment in the silence and remember that we've been communicating with the God of heaven and earth. Now, will you offer your friend near you uh, the peace of God, which passes all understanding? For the extroverts, it's never enough time. For the introverts, they're like, okay, I said peace and I need some, so can we sit down? <laughs> and, you know, and the goodness of this is, is that we are in community together. We're in community with God, we're in community with one another. And even the prayers that we prayed this morning, I, I hope you were able to make them your own and to use your voices to lift them up to God. I, thanks for saying, oh, this is a good one, Isaiah, right? I really do feel as though there are prayers that ring so true in us, and those are the words we share with God. Um, you know, uh, you guys ever see Lady in the Tramp? And remember uh, that whatever her name is, the two owners of the dog, she calls him Jim Darling, right? And um, for some of you, that would be a weird thing to call a person you love. Maybe it's not even, you know, you're not married to Jim, so definitely. Um, but maybe Darling is not the way that you would, you know, that you would share your affection. And I think it's so amazing to me that God gave us, um, you know, like over 900 names that we could address God this morning, whether it would be Abba or Rose of Sharon or Lion. Maybe you need a lion in your corner today or you want to name the Lamb of God. And just think for a minute, how do you address God in prayer? What is the name you use for God? And if you want to say it out loud, feel free. You don't have to, but I know a few of you would like to. So feel free to say so. What do you, how do you address God in prayer? Papa. Did you say something, Scott? Oh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You know, I, I think it's amazing that God has a way for us to relate in our very present condition, whatever that is, right? You need Jehovah Rapha, my healer, right? Jehovah Nisi, my banner, when you need, like, a big sign from God, right? I, I think there are wonderful ways today for you to be in communion with God because you really didn't come just to um, take up an hour on Sunday. You came to be with the God who loves you more than any person on the face of the earth. The one who knows you by name and is calling you by name today and invites you to the table. So there is bread and uh, and wine today for us and we will take communion together at home and here in the room 
And uh, what we'll say is that you invite people to your table that you love. And so this invitation is not, you are not a stranger to God. And if God feels like a stranger to you today, will you just in some way or another say, I want to know you, God. I don't want to be a stranger. Thank you for inviting me to your table. Thank you that throughout the New Testament that there was direction about everybody is allowed. Don't have these people sit here and make those people sit in the back. Everybody share. And so today we hold the bread and we remember that this is what Jesus said. Take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body given for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And if you'd like to say with me, Jesus, we remember you. And would you remember Jesus in this moment? Would you remember that Jesus came willingly and no one took his life, but he laid it down? you think deserves it the least. Together. After supper was ended, Jesus lifted the cup and gave thanks and said, take this all of you and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant. My blood will be shed for you and for everyone for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you drink, friends, remember me. And if you'd like to say it with me, Jesus, we remember you. Good morning and welcome to Crossroads. Uh, that is so amazing. If you feel the spirit of the Lord just around the atmosphere, can I hear you run time? Woo! I felt it. I feel it. Um, we would like to welcome you and give you a warm welcome to Crossroads Church and Ministries. If you are new and this is your first time to Crossroads, um, you can, we actually have new ways that you can sign up uh, to Crossroads and get to know you. So we actually have a QR code in the back that you can scan if you're new and you do not feel like getting out of your seat because I know myself, I never feel like getting out of my seat that much. And so you can scan that code in the back. You can also scan that code on Facebook. It's also there. Um, if you would like to get up your seat and you meet us in person, you can go to the Next Steps kiosk and there there's some uh, cards and you can fill those out, turn those in, and you will also get a nice gift as well and a warm welcome, um, meeting new faces. Um, also, this Saturday, October 29th, we have our Enneagram retreat, so our Enneagram personality retreat. Um, this is a great way and a great retreat, a great way for you to learn who you are personally, experience yourself, and also experience your neighbors and how to love your neighbors as well. And so this is going to be a great, amazing, excellent retreat. It is this um, Saturday from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 um, p.m. And so it is a pay what you would like um, retreat. You can register at ccmonline.org slash events. And that's the way to register. Be sure you register there and you do not want to miss it. This is going to be an amazing uh, retreat and an amazing experience for your growth in Christ, your personal growth in Christ, and to learn different um, spiritual rhythms personally, and also how to love your neighbors as well, uh, the correct and proper way. 
And I have two other cool events, um, opportunities, I should say, for you. One is Self-Care Saturday. This is something that I've put together. Um, I'm the arts formation pastor here at Crossroads, if you don't know me. And I am going to take care of you for two hours. This is for um, women, high school and up. If you'd like to come and, and receive some self-care, I would love to serve you for two hours in some peaceful activities, a beautiful setting. Um, sadly, uh, seating is limited because there's only so much that just I can do. But um, if you would like to register, um, it's at ccmonline.org slash events and grab a seat so I can take care of you for two hours. This is also a pay what you um, like event as well. And uh, if you can't pay and you really need some self-care, sign up because it'll be it'll be my gift to you. Okay. I can't lie. I am jealous that I am not a woman <laughs> so I could get some self-care too. So all the women, make sure you sign up. And then lastly, um, we need some caring, loving adults upstairs to serve our kids. Um, that's where we're headed right after this. Um, but we need some more. Um, our kids just need this so much. So if you have a heart for kids and you love kids and just want to give them a little bit of time um, and you don't have to do it every week, we'll work around your schedule. We set up everything for you. You just have to show up and just love kids and use the activities that are already set up for you. So you can let me know or Sarah, who's upstairs, you can call or email our office and just say, I want to help. I want to help our kids. We have a really cool Christmas camp starting in Advent. It's four weeks. We do such fun stuff up there, special Christmas stuff. So if you just want to come hang out and do Christmas stuff with us for one of those weeks, let me know. There are also different ways that you can give. Um, if you're here in person, there's different baskets set up around the auditorium that you can give. You can also give online at ccmonline.org slash give um, and follow those prompts there. You can also give by texting a dollar amount uh, to 84321. Um, and then they'll follow those prompts after you set that up one time. It's easy and it just go right through from there. Um, the last way you can give is by mailing snail mail, mailing a check to 131 U.S. Highway 23 North Marshall, Michigan, 49068. Seven, Am I right? 717 seven, seven, U.S. Seven, Highway oh. 27 North. One of these days, going, I will get it right. I promise you. I promise you. All right. But um, could you guys um, get however you feel comfortable with praying, and we're going to pray for our offering. Dear Father God, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for allowing us all to gather here in your word and in your spirit and in your name and learn more about you, Father God. I pray that you forgive us all of all of our sins and please help us to forgive those uh, who sinned against us as well, Father God. I pray that you come and you um, lighten our hearts and allow us um, you said that you love a cheerful giver, so I pray that you speak to us and give us the amount that on our hearts to give, Father God, that we know that um, that it will be returned a hundredfold. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. That is who you are, God. And even this morning, as we continue to gather around your word, gather around your presence, thank you. We thank you for the times we know uh, there's been evidence in our life of you working. And we thank you for the times when maybe the evidence didn't manifest tangibly outwardly, but we know something happened in our life and in the lives of the people that we love. Thank you for that, God. We thank you that today, even as we have already prayed for so many different things and so many different needs, we thank you, God, that there, there has been a release of goodness in our lives and in the lives of people that we love. So we honor you for that today, and we pray that as our children continue to worship you and we continue to worship you as adults, as we worship online, God, we pray that we would understand that we are in a sacred space in this moment, that we live in the sacred because of your presence. So help us to understand that. Help us to be aware of that. Help us to see your kingdom come and continue to have your will be done in our lives. We open ourselves to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're well. Yeah, great to see you all. Um, anyway, we've been talking about our core values as a church. If this is maybe your first Sunday with us online or in the room, um, 
we all have core values. Everybody operates by core values. Even if you don't have a list of them, we live by values. Organizations list, live, live by values. They function by values. And every person functions by core values. Uh, we have written ours down as a church. We've been going through those just to remind ourselves of the things that we find as most important uh, as a community of faith and as a people to move into closer uh, relationship with God uh, individually and together. Um, so uh, you do have core values, and uh, I encourage you to maybe pay attention to that. If you were to say, what are the top ten things in my life that are important, maybe jot those down and uh, review those and pray over those and see if those uh, are really what you want to be living for. Uh, because um, Jesus gave us some pretty clear invitations around the things to most value, right? So those are the things that we want to orient our life around. This morning, I want to talk to you about the journey uh, with the sacraments. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot that could be said around uh, the sacraments. Um, what we would say is that the sacraments, the journey with the sacraments, I'm going to pull up this up on my phone. Um, that water baptism, we're, we're going to talk specifically about two sacraments and the sacraments that we pay attention to here um, most closely, water baptism and communion, receiving communion, uh, that, it is, that it can bring vitality to the journey of a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Let's say this together. Water baptism and receiving communion can bring vitality in the journey of a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Let me just say right up front, um, and we'll talk about this more as we go on, um, that we don't believe as a church, we don't embrace the thought, although we have respect for, there's, there's so much, every denomination kind of approaches this, every non-denominational church kind of approaches this differently. Claire and I were just with the Salvation Army leaders um, in Ontario a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had a lot of conversation around sacraments because uh, they don't, they don't, as an organization and as a spiritual group, they don't receive communion. Um, they believe the, they believe in the sacrament of action, putting your body into works of justice on the earth. That's their kind of core sacrament. Um, so it's all over the map. So as we discuss this. Just understand, as you just consider, if you were to look around the room, or if you're online, you know this is true, that probably everybody in the room approaches the sacraments different. Some of you are saying, what the heck is a sacrament? Um, and we'll, we'll try to bring some clarity to that as well. Um, but we don't believe sacraments are salvific. Just basically all that means is uh, we don't believe that communion is the thing that enters, gets you to enter heaven, that it's a relationship with Christ. And, um, and then also that water baptism isn't essential, but we do think that it's, it's, a, it's very important to pay attention to and brings vitality to our relationship with Christ. So I want to just bring that to our attention. We think they're very important moves. I've been baptized twice. I was baptized, I was told, I was baptized as an infant. Um, I was raised Catholic. Uh, Claire says I was a public because... We really didn't go to church much, so I guess I didn't officially, in her eyes, uh, be seen as a Catholic. But then I got, I also was bought, water baptized in Proud Lake. What a great place to get baptized. When I was 18 years old and came to a decision to have a, a uh, more alive relationship with Jesus. Um, but anyway, here's a couple of scriptures that we want to look at this morning. Acts 2. Uh, 38 and 39. Now, this is right after Jesus has now died on the cross, resurrected from the dead. Um, they've done the upper room deal in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit visits them in the upper room. There's the pouring out into the street, and Peter is preaching, and he's, he's communicating this powerful message, and this is what he says to the people at one point. He says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul says it this way about communion. There's a lot of scriptural references around baptism and communion in scripture, uh, but these are a couple we want to just give some uh, attention to this morning. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So that, that uh, understand that Paul making that statement there uh, might not seem like a real uh, profound statement to us, but what Paul is essentially saying is really listen to me because this is of first importance. This is really critical what I'm about to tell you. Not that he didn't think everything he said was critical, but he, you, you ever have those moments when you really want somebody to listen to you? That's essentially what he's done here when he says, I'm going to pass this on to you, what I've received from the Lord. Um, some versions would say of first importance. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everyone say, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what are the sacraments? Let me give you a few different uh, definitions to go by, simple kind of straightforward definitions. So um, basically a sacrament is when in the church we take something ordinary, and in, in, the, in this discussion it's bread, it's wine, and it's water, essentially, and it, it, it becomes the vehicle for the extraordinary. So we just took communion, and in that, that wafer and that juice, in this case, um, or wine maybe at home, um, it becomes the vehicle for the extraordinary. Some would say it's a visible symbol of the reality of God. Some would also say it's the Christian practice regarded as the imparting of divine grace. So there's something significant in that, um, in the sacraments. The, uh, as I said, the sacraments that we practice here and pay most attention to are baptism and communion. Um, and this is why we pay attention to those two, and we specifically bring up those two, and we don't talk about others in this conversation is because these are, the, these are two things that were instituted and practiced by Jesus. So Jesus was baptized, and Jesus obviously practiced communion. He encouraged us to do that in the future, and he encouraged those that he was with to do that, and it was passed on by Jesus. And then secondly, the early church practiced it, they received it, they taught it, and they passed it on in Scripture and by tradition to us today. So those are the reasons um, that we mainly pay attention to these. Now, there's a lot of different thoughts and understandings when it comes to communion and baptism. And honestly, when it's all said and done, I, this is what I want all of us just to pay attention to. Because, as I said, everybody in the room probably approaches this um, differently. Like, your approach may be different what we need to pay most attention to is that it's an invitation for an approach. These, these acts, these practices, open us up in a fresh way to the presence of God. They become practices. Uh, Tony Campolo, he, he says it this way. He says, yeah, he says there's a lot of different thoughts and understandings when it comes to communion. He said the Catholics believe by, that by miracle, the bread becomes Jesus' body, and the wine becomes Jesus' blood. The Presbyterians believe bread is bread and wine is wine, and somehow Jesus will shine through. And the Baptists believe that bread remains bread and wine miraculously turns into grape juice. <laughs> it's good to laugh at ourselves when it comes to some of these practices, but they are important. Whatever your thoughts or whatever mine are, the reality of it is, is understand this in every ordinary moment. We have these communal, these community moments that we practice that seem ordinary but have the potential every time for the extraordinary. 
Now, what we're not trying to say is there's a bifurcation between these what seem to be more spiritual moments. We're not saying there's more spiritual moments than others, but we're saying the practice of certain acts open us up to being more aware of God's presence in every ordinary moment in our life. There is something profound about us breaking bread together and sharing cup together, as ordinary as it may seem to some of us at times. And the same thing when we, when we have uh, baptism occurring is it's a practice that we've all been praying for. Or many of us have prayed for people to come into a new living relationship with Christ. And that practice is a practice of community that is powerful and profound. And it's one of the reasons why in these two practices, many times people walk away saying they have significant moments that have happened. Maybe that's your story over the years. Maybe it seems like you've taken communion 10,000 times or 5,000 times and Maybe a lot of those times it felt like, well, there was nothing extraordinary, but then there were those moments where God did something really profound in your life. Now, uh, we asked a few people in, our, in the church, uh, actually we asked a bunch of people in the church, but just a few people, I wanted to tell you, I won't tell you their names, but this was their experience, and maybe you can relate to it. Uh, one person said this, I was raised Catholic, and This is what the sacraments meant to me. The sacraments throughout my life have offered an opportunity to journey further with God through a more personal experience. For me, the sacraments offer a chance to express my faith and relationship with God through a tangible experience and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful, isn't it? Another person uh, wrote this, I was raised grace brethren. And this is what the sacraments meant to me. They were unnecessary. I didn't think that they saved you. So I felt like in some ways uh, they weren't important. Before I was baptized at Adish in a hot tub, I was asked to affirm. That's a cool church. Anyway, I was asked to affirm in no uncertain terms that I knew baptism did not save me. Communion occurred alongside communal foot washing. So I hope the I hope the I, I thought about this. I hope that the communion was done when the foot washing started. Don't you think it'd be better order? Anyway, just me. Kind of cool in retrospect, but that was weird. This is not my words. This is this person's words. Some of those were mine. The the order was mine, but not the weird thing. And too personal so that it was avoided as well. Besides being baptized at eight, I remember taking communion once before I went to college, so they mostly meant nothing. Another person said this, I was raised a Christian, and in my specific tradition, communion was practiced only a few times a year. We also practiced baptism with restrictions by age. The weirdest and most beautiful one to me was foot washing. I remember vividly my father washing my mother's nylon-covered feet and weeping. Later, as an adult, I experienced a Monday Thursday foot washing in which an older lady in the church washed a homeless man's feet. I overheard her saying to him, after the service, you should really get it checked out. It looks like it's infected, and I'm concerned about you. Can I pick you up tomorrow and take you to the doctor? I was so moved by care as I witnessed the care that I witnessed, and a sacrificial deed that produced more service and sacrifice. The sacraments are so beautiful to me because I believe they're about serving each other and finding the posture of Christ and laying down ourselves in sacrifice to one another. Even communion is a weekly reminder that the Lord calls all to his table, even those we don't want to serve or care for, those we disagree with. The sacraments are formational in becoming more like Christ. And I think that that's what I want us to pay attention, one of the things I want us to pay attention to when it comes to this uh, sentence here and the thought that the sacraments are formational and help us to become more like Jesus. So important. 
I love, I read, uh, some of you may be aware of this, but when uh, we had our first landing of uh, astronauts on the moon, uh, Buzz Aldrin was an elder in his church in Texas, and he, he knew that there was a possibility of this significant thing for humanity, to be, a, and he was going to be a part of it. So he went to his pastor, and he, uh, he had decided that he wanted to have communion on the moon. And uh, he's, he's talked about this and written about this uh, in the past. But anyway, uh, when they landed on the moon in the lunar module, he felt like he wanted to mark this occasion somehow, so he had planned this. He had talked to his pastor, asked him to help him. The pastor prayed over a communion wafer and gave a small vow of communion wine, and Buzz Aldrin took that with him out of the Earth's orbit to the surface of the moon. He and Armstrong had only been on the lunar surface for a few minutes when Aldrin made the following public statement. This is 1969, correct? I believe. This is the lunar module pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever and wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his or her own way. Then the radio communication ended there, And on the silent surface of the moon, 250,000 miles from home, Aldrin read a verse from the Gospel of John and took communion. This is his account of what happened. In the radio blackout, I opened the little plastic packages which contained the bread and the wine, and I poured the wine into the chalice that our church had given me. In the one-sixth gravity of the moon, the wine slowly curled and gracefully came up on the side of the cup. Then I read the scripture. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bring forth much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He goes on to say, I had intended to read my communion passage back to earth, But at the last minute, NASA had requested that I do not do this because they were already embroiled in a legal battle with Madeline Murray O'Hare, the celebrated opponent of religion, over the Apollo 8 crew reading from Genesis while orbiting the moon at Christmas. I reluctantly had agreed. I ate the tiny host and swallowed the wine. And I gave thanks for the intelligence and spirit that had brought two young pilots to the sea of tranquility. It was interesting for me to think the very first liquid ever poured on the moon and the very first food eaten there were communion elements. And of course, it's interesting to think that some of the first words spoken on the moon were the words of Jesus. He had made the earth and the moon. And who, in the immortal words of Dante, is himself. The love that moves the sun over the stars. Beautiful and powerful. God is present in our taking of communion and in our practicing of baptism. God is present in our lives, but there are these moments that we set aside to give close attention that out of the multiplied times over in our life, we experience these practices as individuals and corporately so that it becomes something where we understand the presence of God is with us at all times in the most ordinary of things, in the most simple of elements, in bread and wine and water, in the most common things that we put our hands to and we consider. Now, one of the things that Jesus appears to do 
is he appears to say everyone is welcome. Jesus seemed to accept everyone at the table. You might remember that Judas, who's about to betray Jesus, is having communion with Jesus. And that's how Jesus identifies to everyone else that he's about to be betrayed by Judas. Jesus doesn't stop him from taking communion. Jesus doesn't exclude him from the table. As a matter of fact, he says, pay attention, and when somebody dips their bread in the wine, that's the person that's going to betray me. Everyone's welcome. Some of us have a difficulty, and some places have difficulty with everyone being at the table. And it's a story of our desire to power and control. It's a way for us to leverage our control. But Jesus didn't seem to have any problem with welcoming everyone and still doesn't. Everyone's welcome. The invitation is to examine yourself, certainly. But it's not for me to examine you. It's for you to examine yourself and for me to examine myself before I participate in communion and baptism. Jesus, the one who knew all things, seemed to be okay. One guy in the denomination he was a part of, I'll just call him Alex, he was notoriously, he was notorious for causing a stir in his church around the sacrament of communion. At that time, the church, his church handed out tokens to those that were worthy to participate in communion. No token, no communion. So this one particular day, Alex entered the church with his token in hand, but when they offered the elements to him, he refused, and he tossed his token on the ground, and he walked out. It was at that point he decided <laughs> to go start a new denomination. <laughs> There's different ways to respond. But the point is, is everyone is welcome. Jesus welcomes all of us. Jesus opens his arms wide to us all breaking bread. Which just leaves me to three quick noticings, and I'm not going to give any really extra. I'm probably just going to ask these questions because I think that these are important questions for us to ask when it comes to communion and baptism. A few considerations. Am I intentionally responding to God's presence and invitations in my life? Jesus said it this way, do this in remembrance of me. Communion is a very specific invitation that Jesus has given to all of us. And then we have other invitations that we're given. And it's in the practice of communion that we learn to, to be, be obedient and pay attention to the things that God has asked us. Though the sacraments don't appear to be salvific, they certainly are acts of devotion, obedience, and reflection. Opportunity to open you and I to the things such as forgiveness, renewal, healing, growth, transformation, among other things. There's no guarantee that any of these things will occur, but I think it's important that we ask ourselves, are we intentionally responding to God's presence and God's invitation in our life? Do this in remembrance of me. Am I practicing the things that Jesus is asking me to do? The second, the second consideration would be, do I have an active spiritual curiosity? When it comes to baptism and it comes to communion, as I said, all of us in this room might have a different view of the way that this is, all this is approached. But I love at one point... Uh, just before being baptized, one person says, what must I do to be saved? This spiritual curiosity. Do I have a spiritual curiosity? Frank Laubach puts it this way. He said, if you're weary of some sleepy form of devotion, God is probably as weary as you are. If that's how communion feels, for instance, this is just a sleepy form of devotion, God is probably as weary of that as you are, but the practice is not about that. That's something that you and I need to wrestle with. Why am I not more curious? 
why are these things of devotion, why do they feel so mundane in my life? Why aren't they more life-giving to me? Let's pay attention to not be like Naaman in the Old Testament. For those of you that didn't know who Naaman is, don't know who Naaman is, Naaman is just basically a military leader, and he's got leprosy, and at one point, Elisha, a prophet, says to Naaman, I want you to go dip in this river seven times, and Naaman's offended by it. And if you want to hear more about this, Samuel talked about Naaman's story a few months ago. It was just a beautiful talk, but just in a, as it pertains to this, Naaman is offended by the practice. He's not curious because he thought he was above that practice. And his lack of curiosity, if it would have, if it would have stayed that way, but ultimately he does respond to what Elisha is asking him. Don't be like Naaman, though. We should get t-shirts that say that. Don't be like Naaman and don't be lacking curiosity around practice. Don't cut yourself off from the healing and powerful things that God may have in the ordinary practices that we do as a church and, and you're, you're invited to by God and in other places, not just this church, but in other places. Don't cut yourself off from the powerful things that God has because you have bias against certain things. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention is this when it comes to considerations is where are my sudden and rhythmic moves toward consecration? That word consecration just means to set apart as holy. Where are the sudden things that I'm doing to set some time aside as holy where are the sudden things and where are the rhythmic things? Because when you read through scripture, baptism seems to be more of a sudden decision, whereas communion, breaking bread together, is more this rhythmic practice. It's part of community. It's a part of what we do as ch in church. And I'll say this, too. Be careful. It's not, just, it's not just about communion and baptism, but it is about things like showing up. Be careful that you're not imparting something to your family, for instance, that you don't want them ha to have imparted to them. If the rhythm of your life is away from things like the regular practice of communion, regular church attendance, regular, you know, coming together to worship, I, I'm not saying you can't be a Christian if you're not doing that, but where are the rhythmic practices in your life and in your family that you're going to be happy about in the long run. And that's important for us to pay attention to. Augustine put it this way. Think about it in these terms. Actually, you've heard this. You are what you eat. Um, if you look that up, you are what you, you are what you eat. It started that saying in some way or fashion or another started, they say, in the 1800s. Actually, Augustine... Somewhere in the early 400s actually had a sermon, and at the end of it, after talking about communion, that's essentially what he said. You are what you eat. Now think about that. In terms of being a Christ follower and in terms of being a part of the body of Christ, you are what you eat. And see, by regular taking of communion, breaking bread, regular fellowship, regularly attending the things that God wants attended in your life, at some point there becomes this revelation, I really am what I eat. So I guess, yeah, so I guess the question is, thank you, Isaiah, I can always count on you. At some point, it's a great question to ask. What am I becoming? If I am what I eat, what am I becoming or what do I want to become? One day, all of the sudden, as we do this as regular practice, as Richard Rohr says, someday there may be this undefended moment that says, my God, I really am Becoming what I eat, I am also the body of Christ.
So I want to leave with this question for each of us. Where are the sacred spaces in my life? Where are those places that I set aside as holy, as practice in order to make my life become not just an ordinary place, but an ordinary place where I understand my whole life is sacred. One person put it this way. To me, the most beautiful thing about the sacraments like baptism and communion are they are at the same time richly communal and deeply personal. By participating in these acts together, we bear witness to and mark one another's lives. Our joys are multiplied. Our sorrows and suffering are shared and made a little lighter. This is why we have funeral services after all. It's not like it's the person in the casket who's receiving anything. They are already gone. So where are those sacred places? And whatever your thoughts are, know this that this ordinary moment, this moment, is sacred and holy. This time we've had together is sacred and holy, but it's still missed if we don't pay attention to it. You will walk out of this room, or perhaps if you're online, you'll go about what the rest of your Sunday is for or like, And you are moving into a sacred space. You're always living in a sacred place. Every ordinary moment of your life is holy. And it's in these practices that it simply helps us to understand, I live the sacred. God is with me at all times. And I want to pay attention to that. So thank you, God for those moments that are specifically set up for me and my friends to pay attention to the sacredness of your presence. Because your presence is always with me. And I live in the sacred, and so do you, friends. Don't miss what God wants you and me to notice. Amen? God bless you guys.